karma coins. The value of a karma coin, which goes up and down, but the value of a karma coin this week is about a dollar fifty-three, and um, it's in no way is it in, an investment. It is a way to improve your karma and help improve the karma of the rest of the world by supporting other creators and the karma club and the karma coin are right now supporting 70 other creators and those creators as well as holders of the karma coin get rally rewards it's a little bit complicated but eventually all of this stuff is going to be part of our daily lives and i'm an early adopter so i early adopted it and I'm a person who believes in karma. You get back what you put out. So I'm trying to put it out to all of you. So it's getbonfire.xyz slash karma. There are no strings attached. It's for people who don't know anything about social tokens, cryptocurrency, and all the other stuff that seems to be uh creating a lot of noise in the universe right now and so um i just offer that to you because in my world right now things pretty much suck uh if i let them they would really suck but i've i've set an intention not to let the fact that they suck for me make them suck for the entire universe um but in general, between um, COVID and uh, incursions on voters' rights and what's happened in Texas in terms of women's rights, um, anyway, those are topics that will come up in the following, <laughs> the following weeks. But this week's subject is inclusiveness and social media. And if Rebecca was here, which she will be after a while, um, Rebecca would be saying, is this for the Blacks or isn't it for the Blacks? And I, I'm not only talking about the Blacks, I'm talking about the Blacks, the Browns, the blind, the hard of hearing, um, the all kinds of differently abled people. And I'm curious whether you feel that Social media has increased inclusiveness for people who are consistently othered or marginalized, or whether it has it has uh, decreased it. And I, at the beginning, uh, thought, of course, that it would increase it. And the reason for that was that I, I'm such an optimist that I thought it would connect people. And it would make people understand that we're all similar and it would make us all work together. Um, right now, um, I don't know if that's the right hypothesis in this day and age or not. So how about somebody else on stage help me? So um, hi, Dr. Francine. Thank, thank you for inviting me up. Yeah, I I will say this that um, I love you, Shireen. You know, if you are anywhere in my vicinity, I will try to bring you closer. <laughs> I love you too, and thank you. Um, so, 
Yeah, so in the beginning, because uh, I'm, I'm definitely senior in the in the in the uh, digital space for for my for my decade. Not 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 as senior as you, Dr. Francine, of course. Um, but in terms of like what we thought the initial social media social networking was going to be, was very very utopic frame. And I always felt, even then, I was very pessimistic about it. And I had so many of my colleagues and others in the space that was so energized and energetic and talking about all the ways that this would allow the voices of those with the most marginalized to be able to have an opportunity to speak up and share. And and, and although many of those things did come to pass, um, what typically happens, and, and this is how I feel about where we're even trying to go next with decentralized web, which is terrifying to me, is that there's never any calculations for the dystopic and horrors of humans. And to me, that has always been our failure because we want to operate as everything is utopic, fine, and and, and all humans are uniquely or, or, or fundamentally good. Until, like there's always in the butt, you know, denial and benefit of doubt until is, is the systems of which we've operated from. And even at this moment, we're watching some of the worst of the worst happening and there's still level of doubts and, and, and giving people way more leeway than they should have had in the first place. I mean, in my opinion, much of this could have been handled in the earliest process of the moderation processes, the community standards. If all those things were held at, at the standards that were expected, we would not be here. But um, when you allow people caveats, when you allow people ways in which to not be held accountable by the systems that aren't currently in place, when you try to do it, they see that as oppression and fight back. And that's what we're dealing with. So this is Shereen, and I'm complete. Say more about the details of how that change occurred. I mean, it, it has, it definitely has occurred over a long period of time, meaning, you know, like maybe 2005 to now. We've done kind of a 180. Yeah. Yeah, I would say 2005 was, so in 2005, I was among a, a very tiny group of people who were trying to establish and create what will soon become uh, today's version of a di uh, digital political strategy. Um, we were very, we were on the island and actually, actually an island where Jimmy Carter had his first cabinet meeting. That's how serious we were about trying to create the space that I now see that has gone completely in a direction I never, we never expected then. Um, and I will say that right around, for me, the change started to happen right around 2012, 2013. Um, and that's when I formed Stop All Violence Against Women because it became really, really obvious of the shift. And so we just decided to start, you know, surveying and documenting what was happening and, and how it was impacting particularly marginalized communities, drastically different. And, and at that point, trying to like, you know, signpost that, that this is turning. Um, and and um, that was 
we're now in 2021, almost 10 years later, and it's the worst that I've have even anticipated. And what do you think is Facebook's real responsibility in this? I'm, you know, Facebook is obviously the big fella, the the elephant in the room, and and how has, you know, I I knew Mark Zuckerberg at the beginning of Facebook, and I I met him when he was a shy nineteen or twenty year old. Um, at a at a cocktail party given by some venture capitalists, and Facebook had just come out of being a place where only uh, college students could be. And, and you know, I I said to him, you know, what do you want to do? And he, what? Why are you doing all this? Why did you let it out of? college campuses because it had a very specific use case and that very specific use case was to connect people on college campuses to each other at the time it didn't take advertising you know and at the time it, there were all, it was a very uh, non-inclusive group of people because it started out people at the Ivy League schools, then it opened up to anyone with a .edu address, but it was still pretty exclusive. So it started off not being inclusive, purposely not being inclusive, and then uh, when I met him, he was like, well, I've decided that what I want to do is connect the world. And, you know, in some sense, you can say that he did that because you can't, you almost can't get off Facebook because everybody that you want to get in touch with or haven't been in touch with forever, or, you know, is on it. So then fast forward and he begins to take advertising. Now, what he does with the advertising, and this is a theory and it may or may not be right, you know, the the, the advertising part, he, he got far enough to be inclusive and get everybody involved. But then when he started to, the advertising, and maybe Shireen, this, this is about the same time, I can't remember the dates that, you know, that, that you were talking about when things changed. Then he started, be, because of targeted advertising, breaking people into smaller units for the purposes of of ad targeting. So do you think that had something to do with how the inclusiveness uh, sort of vanished? I don't don't think, I'm sorry, Dr. Francine, I think you're being extremely generous in in so many ways. One, it has always been uh, exclusive. Uh, the the concept that <clears throat> that there's any kind of sense of trying to be inclusive and and whether it can reach against or, you know or reach the entire world is still not was not part of the business model. The original business model was hot hot or not, right? It was dating, um, right? And, and, right. And, you know, so so we know that, um, and and when you see. Which is one of the things I used to do back then was I used to compare how you sign up for something like a Facebook or how you compare how you sign up for something like a Black Planet. If you think about it, Black Planet was supposed to be exclusive because you know Black Planet was for Black people, 
But one of the things that Black Planet did was include all the ethnicities that could possibly be when you checked in to to who you were and how you identified into that space. So you could be Black or you could be anything. Even though that, that first setup is like Black Planet, then it was Mijente, and then it was Asian Avenue. But the point is, what each one of those said was like other people could still come and they were inclusive. Facebook has never, even to this point, has ever allowed any form of a check button on ethnicity or race. They make assumptions about who's on their platforms. That that is that there is nothing about that that is inclusive. That is assuming how the world operates and assuming how who's engaging on your platform. That in itself is a failure of inclusivity. So they have never done it. They don't know how to do it. And then the first part of of the the problem that they had was that when they you know when which is what people don't seem to remember, is that it was already revealed in the beginning of the automated process and the, and the content moderation that certain groups of people were protected over others. And that has been discussed widely and still not understood to be the case. It had, that's embedded into the business model. When a, a white male is, grown white male is, is protected on the platform more than a young black boy, we have fundamentally built in a non-inclusive environment. And we're still dealing with the, ra- the ramifications of that. That has not changed in the system. Okay, so then when you add in the fact that, that Facebook owns Instagram, um, how would you, that add, adds another layer of, non-inclusiveness because Instagram is totally visual, right? So not only is it segmented by race, which you assume because it's Facebook, right? But it's then re-segmented again by, and and it it was always Thomas who brought this to my attention and then he never... never came back to elaborate on it but you know instagram looks at the world completely with a visual lens and that is another way of cutting you know through um the 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 lack of inclusiveness right am i right i don't don't yes you're correct you're correct and, then, and, and we can lead to what TikTok is doing now in reference to that, allowing the hate speech. Like the, the platforms themselves may be new, but the systems of which we operate from a social framework is not. I mean, that's why, you know, one of, my, one of the things I focus on is like what we failed at in this whole process is dealing with the humans who we are as we are and then, you know, build the tech. But instead, we've built the tech with the expectation that somehow we're going to nudge the humans around in the system. And that has time and time again failed us, along with the concept that even as we built these systems that are supposed to be agnostic, we have also built in the system that all humans are good. So there's no guardrails for when it goes wrong. We still haven't built that part of the system, Dr. Francine. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, Dr. Fran, you are a psychologist, and even though you're retired, we can still call you a psychologist, right? So, do you take do you take into account 
the fact that not all humans are good when you go on social media, when you look on social media. Well, if I didn't know it before, I know it at this point, you know, the past year has taught me a lot about how factional people can be. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I've always, my, my focus is a little bit different than Shireen's because I've always been an advocate for individuals diagnosed with mental illness who are very much um, stigmatized in this society. So it's a very different thing. In terms of um, race, though, one of the interesting phenomena that I've noticed, because I've, oh, I've been in the virtual reality space since 2006, is that, A, to my knowledge, there are very few people of color in, in the virtual world. Probably more now, but when I started, there, were, there weren't any. I didn't find any. In Second Life, which I know you know, Francine. Um, I do. I was just going to ask you if that's where they don't have. They don't have a lot of. Um, they didn't have a lot of skins for the avatars that were were, were dark um, or Asian or and you know now there's a lot more, but but that was because of need and stuff like that. But I, you know, I've been involved in in worlds where never, ever, 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 ever. Did, did you run into any people of color? And that's everywhere, not just not just African-American. Um, so I don't know what that's about. Um, and then yet, I think I find when I'm in Clubhouse, which I consider a form of social media, um, there are many more African-Americans. We can talk about that, too, because I have a theory about that. But Jane, okay. All right. but, but my experience has been not too many. And then, you know, I'm involved in, um, in Sansa, which was the spinoff of Second Life. And we, a, a guy just came in from Paris, a black guy who plays the saxophone, and he's going to start playing concerts in Sansa, which is kind of exciting. Um, and his avatar is African-Americans, but it's very hard to do. It's an interesting kind of phenomenon, but very different than what Shireen was saying. I'm done. I can say really quickly, Dr. Francine, you're absolutely right. That goes into the same concept of default versus inclusivity, right, uh, in the virtual world. And in the instances, especially in the early phases, there's like documentation and a couple of reports where, where white people showed up as black and brown people and, and, and yes. tried, to, tried to, you know, dictate, tried to, tried to express how different they were being treated by showing up with a different skin and a different um uh, uh, identity, gender yeah, identity. I remember that. I remember, that? remember that? So, so, yes. so the problem is, again, if you build a system, one with a default uh, culture, once you have to, quote unquote, uh, be a little bit more inclusive, i.e. out of pressure, it feels like oppression versus inclusivity from the start. And that's and I, the backlash you get. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with TikTok, Somebody who's spent more time on TikTok than I have, I, I go there every once in a while, but I, it, it doesn't have any great um, utility for me because I this is terrible and non-inclusive, but I consider myself a serious person, and I don't consider TikTok a really serious place, but... Uh, I'm curious whether as a social media platform, it's better or worse than all the other ones. 
And they don't want to get to Clubhouse. It's just as bad. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a report out right now called Hate. Wait a minute. I just looked at it. I'll tell you what it's called. It is called Hate Scape. It details all the problems that um, have already arised on TikTok. So let me just say that I'll PTR that instead of my um, logo for my class, for my uh, club, so you can see that. But they detail all the different TikToks that do this. Uh, if you know for for a fact that Black creatives were protesting on TikTok at one point. Um, because the way even their content is presented versus others that show up on your, you know, for your page. Uh, one, one specific one that I've seen was a, a, a creative of color who basically tried to put content up with descriptions that included Black Lives Matter, Black Voices, Black whatever, and the, um, the system would not let that person upload that content. They changed the words to white supremacy, white whatever, and all of a sudden it was accepted. So there is an, a, a built-in difference, y'all. I'm just being really sincere about this. I spend decades on trying to express why we're, we're, we're here with these problems. But it's been embedded from the systems from the beginning, unfortunately. Actually, it's interesting that in the, from the medical world, um, sorry if there's an echo here. But most of videos in TikTok is short videos and algorithm basically. Like, um, I'm not sure, is it different from international version and the Chinese version, but in Chinese, they have the agency uh, that we are bringing the KLs or stars to uh, to shoot to shoot all those um, uh, short videos, and they were uh, they have a team to build all those videos, and like what Tyler said, it's a social commerce com commercials. So uh, they were push all those videos with some kind of business behind that video. So, but mm, as far as I know, mm, maybe the international version uh, is different from the Chinese one. But still, uh, basically, if you enter the TikTok, uh, if you open that apps, basically, it jumps directly uh, with a video, with a short video. And uh, so I think that maybe um, because the young generation right now, they have um, shorter and shorter concentration on one topic. So they um, decided to, most of the short video is within one minute or 30 seconds, very short. So at the beginning, maybe just uh, a dance, uh, a little song and yeah, in the young generation they, are, they have some kind of uh, like uh, uh, they, they have uh, uh, I, I'm not sure how to explain that but, but it's like they have a module a song with a song or with a dance and they and if you use that module then you uh, dance with that song and automatically create a very fun yeah
think it helps to communicate, but it helps to show yourself. Not like a clubhouse. Clubhouse is more like you can express yourself and communicate and relate yourself to others much more deeper. And so TikTok, I think it's totally different from other kinds of、uh, social media. So, okay, and that's why I I he- thank you, BB. I hesitate to call it social media for that reason. Um, yes, yes, I think you are right, Dr. Francine. Why? I mean, the comment sections are in, embedded with the conversations about whatever is in the TikTok, and when you do dual,、um, when you do dual videos, you're you're sending messages to each other about your version or interpretation of what someone else's video is.、Uh, there's、mm, oh, if you consider it that way, but oh,、uh, it's just like said. Uh, in China, they they always、uh, the top influencer basically they have、uh, some kind of agency behind them to do a series of videos. So yes, they will react with you, just like、uh, all those、uh, live broadcasters.、Mm, but I think it's much more like one way、um, because. Uh, I I think the 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 level of communication is is different different from here. Yeah, that's my opinion here. Thank you. Well, and very controlled also by what the government I would suppose is permitting.、Um, but I want to get into、uh, yes, everyone talks about clubhouse on clubhouse, but I do want to get into the parts of clubhouse that are and are not inclusive. Because one of the things, and and, and I know you, that you have really strong opinions about this, Shireen. But when I got on Clubhouse, one of the things that I felt really relieved about—not at the very beginning, because at the very beginning, the only black person on Clubhouse that I knew was、uh, Terrell, this wonderful guy who's a social worker, and. I asked him, you know, for several weeks, Terrell. You know, don't you feel funny? You're the only black guy on here. Is everyone else was a venture capitalist and a Silicon Valley tech nerd? And then all of a sudden, sometime during the summer, a flood of black people came on. And it got so much more interesting, and and I, and then I was like, well, this is wonderful because this these are people who are really trying to be inclusive. But then, as I've gone into rooms over the past year and whatever, I've found that it segments itself in ways that are still exclusionary. In other words,、um, it now is.、Uh, Not inclusive because certain、uh, political parties aren't welcome, or not, or not inclusive because it doesn't uh, make enough uh, make enough space for accessibility for people who can't hear or people who can't see.、Um, and, and I've heard a tremendous、uh, number of requests to the founders to make it. More accessible, which would, by definition, almost make it more inclusive. Andrea, you've been on here for a while. What would you be thinking? 
So many things. Hi, <laughs> thanks, Francine, for bringing me up. Um, so many things. Uh, it, uh, I think probably there hasn't been uh, like the founders probably haven't either been able or responded fast enough to a lot of the requests uh, to make it more inclusive. Um, I think also partly, I mean, as you know, in our work and after we vote, we were kind of a, a cross-race club dedicated to democracy and civic engagement that was founded, um, you know, with the, a very strong intent uh, to be cross-partisan and cross-race. Uh, uh, but I have watched, as you have, um, over time, how the app uh, has evolved. Uh, there was a time when we were on it where um, uh, there was a migration of a number. So a lot of African-American folks came on and then a lot left uh, for something called the cookout. There was a period of time when it was it was felt that um, um the voices of black women in particular were not being respected or upheld. Um, and uh, there was a big exodus, there was a big uproar at one period of time. And then everybody, there was, a, there was an exodus for a while of a lot of, um, I think, very good, important black voices. But I know that some of them actually ended up coming back and bringing their following. Um, and then, you know, you've had the issue of, um, also language and so I, I don't I don't I, I I don't know I feel in a way Clubhouse has followed um, society to a certain extent but then I've also seen rooms probably just like out in the real world and spaces where people are, are actively you know trying to bridge those differences but then I see I've popped into rooms where uh, whether knowingly or unwittingly have ended up in rooms which have been largely um, uh, African-American and at times I have felt welcomed and there have been other times when it was like definitely they preferred to have it be a closed conversation and I wasn't offended by that. It was just, that's just what it was. So um, I feel in a way the app is mirrored society, um, but that's just my, those are just my initial thoughts. But there's been a lot of good, I feel, Shereen, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like there's a lot of important, like, learning and um, sharing and, like, correcting or educating, even to the point of exhaustion of some people, um, about be, being aware of creating space for um, for people of color and for women or not uh, or often excluded uh, voices or those that are let's not, not get on women today or I'll come through this phone I yeah, know I can't even come out of my ears yeah I can't even I'm really flipping out but I mean I didn't even open my room today partly because of that um, I was trying to get an expert on but um, more of that later I'm trying to mute Shireen my phone is frozen so I hope there's no background noise but I'm done speaking Another friend said, I have a question, since Tyler said that even Taliban can be on this platform. Do you think it's an inclusiveness? Like even the terrorist can be on the platform. Just like oh, Andrew that... said, it's, it's a society show. Should we accept that as an inclusiveness? 
Well, you know, I have spent many nights in bed trying to fall asleep thinking about that because my, my thought, and once again, I, I live in this karmic little universe where what you give out is what you get back. And my feeling is that, and I also have spent a lot of time in non, non-USA rooms and, and heard from people who have lived under the Taliban and lived under some of these regimes that we call terrorists. And, you know, and, and actually Hamas is one good example of that, where our terrorist is someone else's savior and our government is some other country's terrorists. So I think we are so far from approaching things with an attitude of inclusiveness. That's why I've been talking about it for the last three weeks. I'm trying to figure out how we get to a space where we don't just automatically other people and automatically exclude people. And to be honest, I'm just dragging you along on my personal journey because this is my work, you know, to try and figure out what really constitutes inclusiveness. And I, for for one, would be really, would be really open to talking to a, quote, terrorist, unquote, just to, uh, just to find out where their thinking comes from. Because I, and, and here's a person who is totally capable of talking on this topic. How are you, Michael? Uh, uh, great. Uh, what, what did I walk into, Francine? Well, you walked into me saying that, that um, when we say, oh, the Taliban, Bibi opened this question, it's, it's such a great question. Um, the, the Taliban is terrorist to some, you know, perhaps, maybe perhaps to women in Afghanistan. I don't know because I'm not on the ground. And the one thing that I've learned on Clubhouse is not to believe anything anybody says who isn't on the ground because they, they everything that they say is biased in some way. And in fact, even our language and our speech are biased, our vocabularies and our choice of words. So I, so I, I really, um, I really would like to find someone from the Taliban and invite them here and see if we can come at it from a different perspective. And, and I'm just saying Taliban, you know, this not that's not the only group that is consistently othered. And you know, I'm but still working on that ISIS, ex-ISIS, and ex. Uh... Al-Qaeda groups uh, who are actually being rehabilitated uh, by various people in North America. So maybe we'll have that insight as well. Oh, I would love to have that because we don't, you know, I, I wrote this post a week ago, and I think I told you guys this last week, um, the, the parable of the blind man and the elephant, where each blind man feels a different part of the elephant. 
you know, and decides that the elephant is something different and nobody gets the full feel of the elephant. You know, it, it, this is the, what I'm trying to do at this time in my life is get the full feel of the elephant. And it's one of those things that I know you can never do, but I think it's a worthy, worthy goal. Go ahead, Michael. So it sounds like it sounds like you're rallying against people on here who may have been doing quite the opposite of that. <clears throat> that they've been sort of rushing to judgment in a lot of ways and not actually getting a, a full debate or full discussion. Is that essentially what's been going on? Well, I, and I, I think that's, I'm sorry, Bibi, go ahead. Oh, because, oh, and I'm, a Thai, um, I'm from Taiwan, so basically um, a little like it, the Taliban question because there are many Chinese who wants to have Taiwan as part of their mm, <laughs> province. So actually, it's like a daily routine here. We have all those rooms, uh, which Chinese wants to rule us. So um, it's helpful to, to, to accept those um, opinions. So sometimes I feel I'm not that inclusive, but still, I think I have to be against them in opinions to defend our independence. So uh, that's why I come up with this Taliban, because Taliban is right now is the hottest news around the world. I think the situation is the same, because we we don't heard, uh, we haven't heard the stories from their aspect, but here, uh, since there are, it, it's been so many years from the start of our two government situations. So that's why I, I just like that conferencing you said, um, I don't know what lines I should draw between the inclusiveness and uh, or the justice between the mm, uh, some some of the groups there. Thank you. I, and I know where you're where you're coming from because I've heard a lot of discussions in the geopolitics club about uh, um, Taiwan and yes, China. because <laughs> sometimes uh, our fate is uh, decided partially by the U.S. as well. So right, right. I'm going to try and go ahead, Michael. Well, I, say, you know, I, I don't look, I'm not a Taliban historian. I, don't, I remember they were a pretty oppressive regime. This has been 20 years. It's there probably still are an oppressive regime, but maybe things have changed to some degree. I would like to know if it's gone from a scale. Of, look, I don't know. But if it's gone from a scale of 10 out of 10 on the scale of oppressive in human rights down to a seven or whatever it's been in 20 years, if there's been that much turnover, I would at least like to know that data. I, I do want to know. It doesn't mean that I'm going to start, you know, promoting or, or wanting to... Having your you daughter know. marry a town. Yeah, yeah. But, I, but I'd like to know if there's been a difference in 20 years in terms of how this particular regime operates, what their leadership is, what their rules are. Are they pretending to relax uh, judgment and rules with, when it comes to women and other things, or are they actually doing that? Like, I, I would like to know these things. So, in terms of, not that it's a debate, but I would, I certainly would want to hear from people who are a part of that, just so I have the data. I would at least and like that, to know. And Clubhouse is probably the only platform where we where we can do that. But I'm going to stop 
everything dead in its tracks because for three weeks I have wanted to have Thomas explain uh, his views on inclusiveness and for, for three weeks he hasn't been able to show up and he's finally here. So Thomas, the floor is yours. <laughs> Sorry, I got stuck in a meeting. I thought today I would be home time, but I'm a little late, but uh, yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, I think that there are so many issues uh, about inclusion I can talk about, but maybe I think, you know, we can host uh, different uh, rooms on that. But in terms of fitting into the uh, topic of the conversation we're having today, the digital media, social media. So, you know, I, uh, other people who don't know me, I'm a blind researcher, activist, educator. So blind already says a lot about, you know, how blind people can access uh, social media. Uh, for example, platforms like uh, Instagram, it's not really accessible to me. Uh, because it's largely visual and driven. And it's largely also built for visual purposes and visual way of interacting and displaying. It's largely a visual public platform. And so it's very difficult for non-visual users like me to access uh, platforms like uh, <laughs> Instagram. And even uh, platforms like uh, Facebook, it's, it's slightly more accessible uh, for blind people, but it's still it's pretty much visual. And uh, Clubhouse, you know, is audio-based uh, <laughs> app, and to some extent, it's much more accessible. It's much more accessible than a lot of other visual platforms, social media, like you know, uh, uh, Instagram. But even here, also many features are very difficult uh, to figure out uh, for blind people uh, because they are largely, you know, designed from kind of visual perspective. Maybe I think that's the thing we should think about when we're talking about accessibility and inclusion. You know, when we talk about social media and digital technology, we live in a visual culture. You know, the culture that largely relies on vision and uh, associates vision with all kind of productive abilities. So when we design technologies, uh, including computers, digital technologies like smartphones and including other social media platforms like Instagram, they are largely designed from visual perspectives to be used by sighted people using visual interfaces. So even today, you know, the uh, many uh, technologies, to some extent, it's accessible for me, like, you know, using iPhone right now. They have this uh, app called uh, VoiceOver that allows me to hear what is on the screen. But uh, technology are largely designed from visual perspective. And non-visual senses, uh, to use these technologies, non-visual interfaces at the moment is pretty much, uh, I would say, rudimentary. And it's not because we are not capable of developing non-visual interfaces uh, to operate these technologies. And we are not capable of building non-visual non or multi-sensory social media or technologies. It's just that we have a sensory culture that makes us think that we really have to function using vision and design from visual perspective. So I think that's one of the cultural uh, biases that we have today that I think most people are not even aware of, you know, because we, we, in truth, if you really look at it, vision is just one sense. The majority of human senses, 99% are non-visual senses. And we design technology, social media from visual perspective, and which makes it very, very difficult for people who need to access these technologies and platform using non-visual senses, whether they be blind or whether they be older people, you know, who have weakened eyesight. So I think we need to think about digital technology, social media from perspective of designing from to be accessed by all the senses. That way, when we design for accessibility from all uh, sensory perspective, I think we'll end up designing technologies that are not uh, exclusionary, not inaccessible. We'll design technology from the perspective of inclusion when you begin to design technologies on social media from uh, designing from the inception from perspective of uh, accessible.
or accessible to all the senses. Yeah, so I'm done speaking for now. Totally what I wanted you to tell everybody. And thank you so much because that so much enlightened, to use a visual metaphor, me when you said it the first time and I heard it, that we, we met the whole world from a visual lens. But I want, to, I want to now make sure that everyone who wants to speak does get a chance to speak. So, Buist, 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 am I saying your name correctly? No, but it's okay. Uh, uh, what's happening? Uh, no, 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 I'm, in, uh, I'm listening, but I guess we turned to work, so I can't. So, I was just going to move back to the audience. Uh, oh, it's okay. Buist, but the name is Bu- Buist. So Buist. Thank you so much for telling me. I enjoy the conversation. Kind of cool. Let's go back and forth. Okay, go back. Nice to have you. Ed. You know, the stuff I support, so nothing to add right now, but happy to contribute if there's something specific. Okay. Uh, Suzanne. One of the three Suzannes, there's three women in this avatar. Which one of you is Suzanne? It's not me. (laughs) 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 Suzanne. But I was was born named Sue. I was born a girl named Sue. A girl named Sue. All right. Okay, Suzanne is is busy. Ken, you'll be next, Evan. I promise you, I love you. You'll be next. Ken, you asked to come up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. I I, I had trouble finding the mic, as you know, sometimes happens with this thing. Um, Yeah, uh, I actually uh, was interested in your your comment about... you know, I, I, I don't know if you said it like this, but I've heard the statement before that, you know, one person's terrorist is someone else's freedom fighter. I actually think Ronald Reagan said that about the Contras. So it's 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 an interesting point. Um, I would probably say that the British probably thought Paul Revere and some of the people involved in the American Revolution were terrorists. That all said, um, I, I do think that even if you can understand the other side of a cause, you should look how some of these entities treat their own people, particularly females. And so maybe you don't want to consider that terrorism. Maybe you just want to use the word oppression, whatever you want to use, semantics. But I, I think when you're, you, know, you, you look at the Taliban or you look at Hamas, which is another one that you brought up, um, forget about whether Hamas has a legitimate gripe with Israel. Look how they treat their own women. I'm looking at a, a story from just a month ago two months ago from the Associated Press that a Hamas-run Islamic court in the Gaza Strip has ruled that women require the permission of a male guardian to travel, restricting movement in and out of the territory, okay? So I, I think there's... Okay, there's so certain, now I want yes. to throw up, so I get your point. <laughs> That's a very good point, Ken. You didn't have to mute. I, I was just... No, no, I, I, that was my point. I'm done. It's okay. Thanks. <laughs> Okay. Evan? Hello, Evan. Yes, I'm here. Sorry, I missed the beginning of the room. I always have conflicts with these pesky clients. I wish they would just go away and I could spend Make them go away. I I know. They're so so (laughs) annoying. But um, 
I, I just thought I'd add my two cents. I started on social media, gosh, 12, 13, 14 years ago. I, I can't remember on Twitter and LinkedIn. I, I just love how this has now become a topic. I mean, I, I can't recall the first decade I was on social media where inclusivity and accessibility were even themes. I mean, I, maybe I missed it very likely, but it wasn't, you know, elevated to the rightful place it has now. And I really think inclusivity and accessibility are connected. And I, I, I think we, we like to slam Gen Z, but I think Gen Z is what's really uh, sparked this direction for diversity and content and representation and accessibility. And I just love how, you know, when the platforms make moves that aren't accessible, you know, there's kind of a big uprising and people, you know, who aren't disabled or perhaps even kind of lock hands with people who have uh, accessibility issues to kind of, uh, you know, uh, rise up together to, to demonstrate the lack of accessibility. So, you know, it's just, it's just great. Even, even the platforms themselves when they're in their design process, you know, UX and UI and design, they're thinking through the, their design, they have to think about now, you know, inclusive, inclusivity and accessibility and uh, representation in, in the beginning of a design of a feature or function, which is all kind of a new phenomenon. So very positive trend in that area. Uh, you're a total optimist. Um, I'm going to go now. I, I want Rebecca to bring us home. So I'm going to go now to Johnny Mag. Johnny Mag. Thank you, Dr. Carmen. So I just wanted to uh, put my two cents in regarding this conflict that had just ended in Afghanistan. I'm sorry, my, maybe my internet connection here is not as good, but uh, hopefully you can hear me. No, I'm good. Uh, I just wanted to... Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm Dual, I'm, I'm Filipino American, and uh, I, I, I want to submit that this might be just a case of the tail wagging the dog because you know, 20 years is a long time, but a lot of people probably don't know that the uh, the Muslim insurgency in the Philippines, which is the southern Philippines, has been going on. No exception of the uh, civil war in Sudan, Sudan, we've been we've been fighting for a couple a couple centuries. Uh, <laughs> against the uh, the insurgency of the uh, the conflict in, in Mindanao. Anyway, uh, and maybe the Russians were probably smarter than we we are in the U.S. because they left after ten years in Afghanistan, and yet we spent uh, probably uh, I think I saw a statistic from uh, 2001 to 2019, almost 780 billion was spent there. So maybe it's yeah, time for the Afghanis. Um, sorry, maybe, maybe not saying that. Maybe we spent our whole healthcare and education Maybe high time for that. Yeah. With, with the Taliban and, and Sharia law and see how that plays out. That's my two Well, that's right. It, you know, it's like we enabled them. We enabled them. And I'm sorry I interrupted you, but certain things push my buttons. And when you named the number, the amount of money we spent, I just couldn't help it. I blurted out. We spent our whole health care and education budget. 
you know, so our our country is completely falling apart while, you know, we have uh, spent it on the Afghanis. But thank you, and nice to see you, and nice to have you comment. We're Blaga. You know everything there is to know about inclusiveness, and you woke up Dog the Bruce, so bring it home for us. Oh, indeed, indeed. And I will just say, and I adore you, Dr. Francine, for the Blacks that I know in our culture we like to shorten things. Um, So yesterday I was, uh, uh, there's a new uh, documentary uh, by HBO Max that I suggest everybody watch. And it's so big that HBO is like, we'll give it away for free, which is rare. Um, so it is going to be on YouTube as well as on HBO Max for those who are HBO Max deficient. And, um, and so it's, about, <laughs> it's an issue. It is an issue. I know, I, it's, a, it's a blue issue. It's a blue issue, yeah. I, I for I'm, one, I'm HBO Max positive myself. Um, so me, me too, so I'm watching it this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's really good watching. And so it's a documentary based on the document. It's a documentary within a documentary, if we could be ready for that in that moment, um, on, I, on Eyes on the Prize. So I watched Eyes on the Prize when I was a child in the 80s and the 90s. It was, you know, made heavy rotation on PBS, but these new millennials and these Gen Z, she goes, uh, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter, who was, you know, when I first saw Eyes, and I was like, does she really shorten? (laughs) (laughs) I saw the prize to Eyes, like, what, like, what, no, 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 it's Eyes on Prize. Put the eyes wide shut. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like, don't shorten things. Exactly. On um, I don't know if it's Andrea or Andrea. I am I am team. You know, please uh, put the pronounce the 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 exact um, emphasis. So I don't know if you're team Andrea or Andrea, but I'm I'm on both teams. Which one are you? It's your friend Andrea Sikorsa. Andrea. Yeah. Oh, so it is Andrea. Okay, okay, great. great. I it's our there. Andrea. It's our Andrea. Great. Our I am. Andrea, we're blacker for the blacks. For the blacks. So I, I, I love this. It's Andrea for the blacks as well. So, um, so I'm like, so, so all that to say that I get the fact that in our culture, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like a, a, a level of familiarity, like eyes, you know, saying like, you know, it's eyes on the prize. I don't even have to say the whole thing, but no, the, the for the blacks part is, 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 is the point of what I do on and off this app. And I'm sorry that I'm late. I actually had a, um, diversity client that I booked from Clubhouse. I guess people are noticing my skills. Oh, thank and- God. I mean, I- <laughs> I didn't mean to blurt that out either, but it's about time you got a client from Clubhouse since you contribute so much to it. You know, it's actually my second client from from Thank Clubhouse. you. Yeah. Oh no, 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 third. Third. This is so sad. Yep. Cause uh so Andrea was my second. Um one private school in New York City. And my third um was another was another company. So I've gotten three. For my diversity, equity, inclusion, and de-escalation techniques on the clubhouse. So I'm late to the show. Um, That's okay. We we did it. We did good without you. Not as good as we would have done with you. But next week we are going to talk about. You probably can't guess women's rights in the uh, post Roe v. Wade. 
happen. And uh, that's a wish. You. That, that's a wish. You. That's a wish. You. That is. That is a wish. So that would be a wargent. It would be a wargent issue. Wargent. Wargent issues. Wishes. Women urgent issues. Wargent. Wargent. Yes. And, and in the meantime, I would like all of you who have not taken advantage of the airdrop for the Karma Coin to go to getbonfire.xyz slash karma and click on the little um, red square in the bottom left and get your free 20 karma coins and hold on to them because rally and the karma and the social tokens are about to go for a pretty wild ride. And while I can't say anything about value, uh, the one value I can talk about is that holding karma coin supports at this moment, 70 creators. And that for that, you will get uh, karma and rally rewards. So that is something that I can say. And I hope I'll see you guys back. This is a wonderful discussion. I love all of you. I feel much better than I felt when I came into the room, despite the fact that Shireen is right about everything she says about inclusiveness and social media, and so is Thomas. But here's what I've discovered. We're living in an imperfect world, but you can live in an imperfect world and have some really perfect people in your close circle, and it can really make you feel a lot better. So thank you, and I'm going to end the room. Wait, Prince, somebody Prince, want to say something? Yeah, Francine, I have a quick, uh, if, if you're okay with this, I'm going to ask this question and you can decide if Shireen should answer me back channel or, <laughs> or, or later. But I guess, Shireen, I was saying, I was saying that I thought I was wondering if social media or even just Clubhouse was kind of mirroring real life. And then I paused for a minute. I was just thinking, but on the social media platforms, you have bots and trolls that are able to amplify misinformation and, and things much more quickly. So I was sort of checking myself and wondering if you could just comment back on that statement I made. Oh, as Shireen's mouthpiece, I can definitely say she can answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for asking that really important question. So here's the problem, right? So if there are thought processes or conspiracy theories that actually are only a small group of people. So what social media does, it allows an amplification of that group being larger than it, than it really is. So what we're dealing with in many of these instances is not necessarily a, a true belief system uh, in terms of this is how we all believe in, in uh, a disinformation campaign or, or a particular issue, whether it's hate or not. Um, it's unfortunate that, yes, this can be you know, during 2016, one person in the troll farm could control 500 accounts spreading the same disinformation at one point. It is the it is that difference of one being able to see millions of millions of pieces of content that eventually you start to believe because then you, because you see it all the time. That's what we're dealing with in so many ways, um, Andrea. So I appreciate you asking that question. But that's also why when we're in the social media space. What was originally designed to do is to help the small voices that wanted to change, wanted to change, uh, and, and change their experiences, their lives, their, their utopic framing that we, we thought we were dealing with. Um, 
But some of the good things that have come out of it uh, also allowed us to do the exact same thing with the exact same tools to share disinformation and harmful things that we're dealing with with COVID and, and Stop the Steal and everything else. We're actually instituting laws based on what has been amplified as disinformation campaigns has come from all over. And that's what's different. This is like, them. like the bees from Jamal Khashoggi. Yes. Yes. All right. Now, I mean, those of you who come here every week know that I have a thing about one hour rooms because I never want I never want a room to get out of control. I want people to leave wanting more. I don't want to screw up the whole rest of their day, etc. So I love you all. Thank you for making me feel better. You really did. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care, folks. And uh, sorry we can have you on the stage today. Uh, we usually connect both stages and everyone can talk. And there will be much more people joining us shortly on the call-in app as well uh, to allow for that. Uh, just that we're waiting for um, just the... Uh, we just came out of beta, right? But well, so we're just open beta right now. So Dan and uh, Cesar, if you want to come up and chat, you're welcome to. Um, or if you have any questions, sorry about that. We can uh, connect you with the main stage. But that stage will be all over on different platforms as well. But we're hoping to get it mostly on call-in soon. If not, I'll uh, close this room as well. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.